Hello, everyone. This is Culture Comms and Cocktails, the podcast with internal comms served straight up. I'm your host, Chuck Go, Senior Strategic Advisor at Social Chorus. And on this premiere episode of 2021, Culture Comms and Cocktails, we have Karen DiScala, VP of Comms at Burlington. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thanks so much, Chuck. So happy to be here. And I am thrilled to tell your story or help tell your story at, at Burlington. So for those who might not be familiar, let's begin by talking a bit about Burlington. First, the business, what the organization does, and then a bit about the people and the culture, along with your role as VP of comms at Burlington. All right, super. Um, well, as you said, I work for Burlington Stores. A lot of people think of this Burlington Coat Factory, our previous brand, but we are now Burlington Stores. We are a fast-growing off-price retailer. Um, although there's a lot of doom and gloom around retail these days, we are growing really fast. We have approaching 800 stores um, and over 40,000 associates. Um, and uh, you asked about the culture. Honestly, it's my favorite thing about the company. Um, I've worked in a lot of different places and the culture at Burlington is really spectacular. It is a group of really smart, hardworking people, but there is just such a level of care and concern that goes from the top of the organization all the way down. Just really nice, genuine people who are all focused around driving results and caring for each other. So really fantastic place to work. I'm really lucky to work there. And then go into a bit about your role of VP of comms. Is it uh, internal and external? Like what's your what's your day-to-day -day life there? Like My primary focus is internal. Um, uh, and we've just recently taken on talent brand. So I've got a fantastic team, we're small but mighty. Um, we handle all official corporate comms. We participate in our corporate social responsibility report. We've got a video studio and onsite videographer. So we do all kinds of executive videos. We do uh, support videos for our talent brand. Um, we also manage our intranet. We have digital signage, but uh, we have a lot of fun. And again, we're growing fast. You, you had briefly mentioned, we were talking about the business, that for someone who's on the consumer side of retail, it, it seems like you hear this doom and gloom story about mm -hmm. retail. So what has made Burlington then so special to be excelling during this time? Well, I think it's unique to the off-price model. Um, I mean, so much of retail has been impacted by online um, vendors, uh, but off price is really unique, you know, um, kind of like our sweet spot is finding those deals that we can mark down to up to 65% off um, department stores, but you have to be in the store to find them, right? <laughs> so people who are interested in finding a great deal at a fantastic price, you know, you have to go into the store and honestly, it's a lot of fun, you know, to go to that kind of treasure hunt thing. Our customers really enjoy the, the experience of just kind of going in and finding that fantastic piece for that crazy price. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. Of, of there's that that lure and ease of online, but yeah, if you're out for that treasure hunt of items yeah, and that deal, really at this point, it's hard for uh, online vendors to replicate it because it's so fast moving. You just never know what's going to be in the store week to week. Well, and everybody loves a good deal now, so that's that's great to hear. <laughs> the business is doing well. Uh, the reason we brought been brought together uh, for this podcast episode is uh, Burlington is a customer of Social Chorus, and. Back in early 2020, um, you had launched a brand new internal comms program for the organization, um, calling it First Up. But we're going to deal with this, this, this first question in two phases. I don't want to give away the, the spoiler at the end. Let's talk about the original plan 
of how you were going to launch and roll out first up to Burlington employees back early on in 2020? Well, we are, as I said, we're a fast growing company, but we like to move slow. Um, I think I mentioned to you, we had our sales cycle with Social Chorus stretched to years, not months. So when we were going to launch the program, um, we wanted to follow our normal model, which is to pilot um, to a small group and then do some analysis and then do a larger pilot and do some analysis. So our plan was a year ago in February, we were going to release it to approximately 150 of our field leaders. Um, and then after about a month of testing that, we were going to release it to approximately 100 of our store managers. We weren't going to open up two-way conversation there. We were just going to, again, test it out slowly to see what we were going to learn and eventually roll it out to the entire business. But we were looking at about a three to four month rollout process, again, to make sure that we could learn and assess and tweak along the way. That was our plan. And then obviously we all know what happened as February led into to March and, and we've all uh, been through and continue to work through this pandemic professionally, personally, socially, as we make adjustments. So then what happened with First Hub? You had, you had this plan all laid out to, mm -hmm. to pilot yep. and very strategic of which audiences to bring in. Yep. But then mm -hmm. you changed plans. Yep. What do they say about plans, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so as we got into February, um, obviously we began to see what the world is seeing, that the pandemic was, was growing and expanding in ways that we weren't really anticipating. And as we got into early March, um, it became clear that we were gonna to have to close some stores. We didn't realize what stores, but we figured that we were gonna to have to close some stores. And one of the big selling points to us about First Up was that we thought that in a crisis, we would be able to deploy it. Uh, meaning like if there was a hurricane, heaven forbid, or other tragedy, we would be able to open up a channel to our store associates to communicate. So as we were approaching going into the second week of March, um, we realized that we had no way of knowing what, was going, what stores were gonna close or what the future was going to hold. So we made the decision to just open up the floodgates. We built 750 channels almost overnight. We had a whole team effort, um, one store for every, one channel, excuse me, for every store along with a couple of other ancillary channels. Um, and then we just began the process because at that, that was approximately the point at which we realized we were gonna close the entire chain. Um, our first and foremost priority has always been the safety of our associates and customers. So we were pro, proactively made the decision that we were closing everything down. So we had about one to two weeks notice that we were going to do that. And so we just had this massive push and we had to get, we had started out of course with our communications plan and our change plan and making people aware of the app and everything else so that they knew what was coming. All of that had to be scrapped. No one knew what we were even planning this. And we just went out to our store associates and as best we could and said, there's this thing, you need to get it. And you need to do your two-step authentication. You need to register, you need to get this thing and you only have about a week left to do it. Because once they left the store, we were not gonna be able to get in touch with them. We were not gonna be able to give them the tools that they needed to download the app. So it was an incredible push, very frantic um, and totally get through our plans out the window how we were going to slowly and easily ease into it. And we also, one of the things that we had planned to do was not open up the channels for people to post because we wanted to again, take small steps in that direction. Um, but when we realized that we were gonna be closing the whole chain in a matter of days, we just again, opened up everything and just threw caution to the wind to see what happened. 
Now, for those that might not be familiar with with the Social Course product, and I did not have the privilege of working with with you and your team uh, there at Burlington on on the launch strategy. Most, I would say, the majority of our customers launch with around maybe fifteen, maybe pushing twenty channels um, from a manageable standpoint. And and your team rolled out seven hundred and fifty channels. <laughs> yes, which. I, kudos to you and the team for one, taking on that responsibility, recognizing the need to be able to do that. Because I think that speaks to that very personalized and targeted nature of the communications. Like you said, there, there's general company information needs to go out. But for a lot of these employees, it was about what was happening at their store. And exactly. thankfully, so you had the attributes in there, you could target the, the content to those people. So they're only seeing their store, not seeing other stores. So is that one of the drivers behind being able to provide that personalized targeted experience? And, and how else did you take advantage of those features during this time? Um, well, when you say, was that one of the drivers, you mean one of the reasons we decided to go with the platform in the first place? Absolutely. Um, yes, but we didn't think we were going to roll it out that fast. You mm -hmm. know, we, from our perspective was we knew that the social course platform could do this, but we were kind of like, again, in the future, once we've learned, we'll move forward. And also um, to be quite candid, we needed to test out the app. You know, our feeling was, you know, are the attributes gonna work? You know, every technology has its challenges, right? Um, and so we figured that we were probably gonna have to learn our way through on the attributes. So we didn't wanna run too fast. We wanted to crawl, walk, run in terms of launching things because we didn't know what was gonna work or not. And you went out running, running. right away. <laughs> sprint, right away. dead sprint, right away. Sleepless uh, nights, I gotta tell you, as we were launching, it was like, oh my, <laughs> fingers crossed, this is gonna work. I, I can't even imagine, but, but clearly it did. So one question I think would be good for people to understand too, is obviously you brought this new tool in. Did it replace anything before? How did you communicate with employees before First Up was rolled out? And was this one of the reasons it was so beneficial to have a communication tool that existed outside the typical company backbone or the firewall that existed inside the organization? Yeah, that was uh, the biggest selling point is we had very few ways that we could actually communicate. Um, we had signage in the back rooms that we would replace every two weeks with associate information. We of course had store rallies, we have an intranet, but in terms of being able to connect with that associate directly, with need to know or nice to know information, you know, it, we were really, really limited. And, you know, of course we were thinking in, in, in any kind of a crisis that was so urgent, but even just generally speaking, you know, just to share great news with our teams or let them know how much we appreciate them or to get safety information into their hands. You know, these were all things that we, it was hard, very hard to do. And we recognized that if we could get the platform, the social course platform, it could be a game changer. And it turned out to be. Well, let's talk a, a bit about the Burlington employees the, at the retail stores out there on the front line. You said that, that you know, some stores closed during it. Let's talk about the user-generated content portion, because that's always one of my favorite topics when it comes to, to this platform, is how do we get employees participating Mm -hmm. in communication. So often they've just been the recipient of it, as you just described yeah. some of those channels before, and now they can participate. What type of participation did you see from your employees and, and how has this been critical to the success of First Up? Um, it's become really the foundation of it. And again, this was a big learning for us because we were we had traditionally been top down 
in terms of our communication plat uh, approach. Um, we got in the first, those first two weeks, we wound up closing all of our stores. All of our stores were closed every, and our associates were furloughed for a number of weeks. But before that happened, we got over 20,000 people in the span of about two weeks to sign on. Um, and what we started doing uh, was we just started to see associates, and even since then, they have become the lifeblood of First Stop. Yes, we continue to push down the need to know information and um, other types of safety information, but they're keeping it alive. The, the vibrancy that we see them submitting content and sharing their stories, and it is our primary recognition tool now. I mean, there are mm. thousands and thousands of pieces of recognition posted every week from store managers, from regional managers, from just associate to associate. Um, it's, real, it's, it's fantastic. And me as an administrator, I get to see all channels all the time. And this may sound silly, but there are times that I just want to cheer myself up and I'll just start flipping through and just see just this culture in the community. As I said, we're, we're a very caring company and you just see that you know, amongst the associates talking about themselves and each other and how grateful they are. So it's really become um, the sustaining element of it. And we, we have tried um, since launching to create channels that are not interactive in that way. And they, they founder, they just go away. They don't have the life to them. So it really is the associate that is the lifeblood and the spirit and the culture of the app. Now, what from a from those employee standpoint, obviously participation comes in lots of ways and, and commenting, sharing those photos, doing peer-to-peer -peer recognition, all great examples. What would you say to another company who maybe is a little bit concerned or fearful of opening those floodgates or opening up channels and letting employees uh, be that key voice? Um, I would say it's hard to believe there was any company more fearful of it than we were. Um, we, and it's funny because when we were talking to some of the folks at Social Chorus, they would say, you know, you know, other people have gone in this direction. They've had, they haven't had bad experiences, you know, just trust us. And again, I was like, <laughs> not sure how, if I, if I felt that it was the right move for us, but we didn't have a choice. We launched 750 channels, you know, in a matter of weeks. It is the tiniest of tiniest fraction of posts that we've ever had to look at to remove or comment that we're all like, oh, not sure about that. I mean, literally, I think something that was considered inappropriate, fewer than five. You know, there have been things that people have contacted us and said, you know, I posted the wrong photo, could you take it down? Or, you know, something to that effect. But yeah, it's been remarkable. I mean, we've had millions of, of comments, you know, that we're talking about over the last year. And a fraction again it was a learning for us because we just weren't sure you know we were we were absolutely in unknown territory and it's it's worked out beautifully and we continue to monitor you know we tell our store managers that they need to monitor their channels um we monitor the public channels and even with all these eyes on stuff it's not this stuff is getting through because we're monitoring it all the time and then let's talk a bit about the the store leaders because obviously they were critical to communication forever you know, pre-pandemic, even just in giving employees updates, how did they adopt or how did they change their communication style going from what would have been more of a face-to-face -face model, I'm guessing before, to now communicating with their employees through um, First Up? Well, you know, it was interesting. It was one of the, one of the ways that First Up first showed us our, our return on investment. So once we closed our stores, you know, we realized that one of the most important things that we had to do was keep that communication going between our store managers and their teams. At some point, we were going to reopen our stores. We didn't know when. 
but critical to our success and being able to get back in the game was going to be getting our teams back. So what we did is we told our store managers um, that it was incumbent upon them just to stay in touch. Um, you know, they didn't have any store news to share, but to share information, just to keep talking to their teams, to let them know that we care about them, that we're there for them. Um, we sent them little calendars of things that they could post about if they were struggling for ideas. We held webinars with our store managers just to teach them kind of like, this is how you post, this is how you do a video, this is how you can do X, Y, and Z. But just the idea that it was just critical that they stay connected. Um, and they did a phenomenal job. Um, we also, at the corporate end, we started pushing out information to our associates about how to stay safe during COVID, how to deal with stress, you know, uh, resources that they had that the company was offering to them to help them get through this time. Um, and so we just continued to speak with our teams all during the all during the furlough, and it was an amazing turnaround because when we actually did open up our stores, um, I don't know the exact figure, but I was told it was north of 80% of our associates came straight back, which based upon anecdotal information I've heard from other retailers was far above what many other people experienced. And we attributed that to first up, that we just kept the lines of communication open, letting people know that we're here for them, even though the stores are closed, that we want to stay engaged in their lives. And we were able to get literally tens of thousands of people back to work. That is, for one thing, absolutely remarkable. And I think it's great to hear that, that the organization attributes first up to that success. Mm -hmm. I think it also points back to that culture that you shared very yeah. early on when we started talking about it. If, if the culture wasn't there, it doesn't matter sometimes if the, if the communication is there or not, but the culture is that foundation. And then yes. the communication was that layer on top that, that kept people engaged, kept people involved, kept them wanting to come back when stores open. And, and to think about, as you said, other retailers having to go through this. Can you imagine what this would have been like if First Up hadn't been available for the organization? Yeah, it's hard to envision because it would have just been a bit of a black hole, you know, for everybody of, you know, and, you know, putting so much pressure on our store leadership teams to reach out to people. I mean, how would you do that individually by phone, by email? It's, it would just make it so incredibly difficult. And this way, again, we were able to just keep the lines of communication open and just let people know what the resources we had for them were, you know, what the status was as we began to open our stores, you know, because depending on the state and the county, it was happening gradually. So we actually put out a video series to all of our store associates saying, hey, this is what's going on. You know, we're learning, we're growing, um, safety comes first. These are the plans we have in place. So again, it just kept everybody in the loop about what was happening during this unprecedented and terrible experience. Yeah, I imagine it had to be just a huge thing for your store leaders too, to one, be empowered to communicate with the people they worked with every day, but also know that the company has empowered them yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but you're right. Yeah, just to uh, to have this tool at their disposal to use as they see fit. Now, on a, on a previous conversation you and I'd had, I, I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was a, a great perspective. Uh, you had shared with me that you had a somewhat tempered view of what impact uh, first up and working with social chorus might have. I wouldn't say negative uh, mm -hmm. view, but just very tempered view. Yeah. So how, how did this change? Uh, in that time? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, we had, as I said, we spent a couple of years looking at a, for a solution and um, had so many different people offering their opinions and we did an RFP. And when it came time to make the decision, um, 
I was on the fence and wasn't necessarily sold on Social Chorus, not for any particular reason, but I just wasn't sure it was the right partner for us. Um, but, you know, talking with my partners and then on the RFP, we scored it and Social Chorus came out on top, not by much, but, you know, I was willing to go with the data. You know, this mm -hmm. is what the data is saying. Um, and I gotta say, it has worked almost flawlessly. I mean, the, the things that we, you know, we kind of anticipated whenever you bring a new technology in, there are problems, right? There's not maybe big problems, small problems, but there are problems with integrations. There's problems with understandings. You didn't know to ask the right questions. You misunderstood an answer or whatever. Um, it has worked literally falsely, 750 plus channels. And we have never had an instance where someone in one store is getting the content from another. Um, we have found it to be a simple platform to use. I mean, so simple. You, I mean, it, they sold it to us as like, this is really easy. You need no technical skills. And they were a thousand percent right. Um, and I was just beyond pleasantly surprised, you know, and just everything worked the way it was supposed to. Again, it's easy. And I got to say the support's been super. Um, shout out to Sharmila, who is uh, our account rep. She's just been great. We talk to her every couple of weeks, just as a touch base. She lets us know what's going on. If we have a problem, she's on the phone with us in a heartbeat. But uh, yeah, overall, I was, I, I, it was only after we got well through the whole, uh, uh, the summer and kind of got back to opening up our stores. We were all fully opened by Labor Day. I think it was by Labor Day. Um, and I just had a chance just to sit back and exhale and realize I was like, wow, <laughs> that thing really has worked and has continued to work beautifully. I mean, far, far exceeding my expectations. So kudos to the whole social chorus team, the tech team, the support team. It really is a fantastic product. Well, that's, that's great to hear. If they're not listening to this podcast, I'll make sure they, they get to hear, hear that part. And I think it's especially important when you think about one, the urgency that all of this rolled out, plus that added complexity. Again, I, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of great organizations in my three and a half years at Social Course. Nobody has launched with that type of complexity um, right out the gate, or even I would say, even from a maturity standpoint, push it out that far. But clearly your organization did it for all the right reasons and I'm now reaping the rewards of getting a tool out there that everybody has access to, everybody can participate in, some are empowered to then lead their teams, communicate directly with them. Mm -hmm. And that's great to hear that the organization continues to excel. Your people came back. And again, that's only going to continue to grow as the organization keeps, I don't know, we talk again in a year, maybe there's hopefully more than 800 stores mm -hmm. out there. Um, but it's great to hear this has been such a huge success for, for you and the team and everyone else there at Burlington. Yeah, it's been really, it's, it's just, it's been quite a ride. I got to tell you um, over the year, but uh and, you know, the, now we're just kind of looking at the platform and trying to figure out what we're going to do next. And there's just so many different opportunities. You know, it's, it's almost like being a kid in a candy store of all the different ways that we're thinking we could possibly leverage the tool, whether it's from an onboarding process or supporting our L&D teams or there's just a whole variety of things. And it's literally like I have to hold my team back. I'm like, okay, we got to pick a few things and go for it because there's just such a wide array and everybody's got their own ideas about where we could really land the next big win with the, with the tool. Well, that is, that is really great to hear, Karen. I want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. It is called Culture Comms and Cocktails. Mm -hmm. So we've spent time talking through the culture and communications there at Burlington. Now, I'd love to hear from you. What is your favorite cocktail? I'm unbelievably boring. Um, I tend to be wine, just really boring, nothing special about it. But I, will, I do have one thing to offer. So and, and it's my boring alcohol choices. Um, <laughs> 
And that is that, I mean, everybody at some point needs champagne, right? You need to buy a bottle for a celebration or whatnot. And I never know what to buy. You know, I look in the store, there's prices from practically $2 up to 3000 and I just never know what to buy. But I have a recommendation. I'll tell you where I got it from. Uh, many years ago, like 10, 15 years ago, my husband and I were in Washington, D.C. on a vacation. And we went to a supermarket just to pick up a couple groceries. And I, my husband started talking to the woman in front of him in line. And they were talking about New Mexico. My husband is from New Mexico originally. Um, and they were just chit-chatting about things. And they started talking about a champagne or sparkling wine that's made in New Mexico. And this woman's voice sounded familiar to me. I didn't know why. And I turned around and it was Justice Sonia Sotomayor of the Supreme Court. Oh, and she was telling my husband that uh, this was a, a champagne or a sparkling cider that wine, excuse me, that she was very familiar with in New Mexico and we should try it. Now, she was getting confirmed that week, so she wasn't officially a justice. But, you know, my feeling was, regardless of your political stripe, if a justice of the Supreme Court recommends a champagne, you try that champagne. And I got to tell you, it was great. It's called Gruet, G-R-U-E-T, and it is now our go-to. It is very inexpensive. Um, I prefer the rosé, but the white is just as good. That is a remarkable recommendation. It was quite a shock. I, was, I couldn't believe that... it. And then I looked around and I saw everybody in the store was looking at her. I was like, yeah, this isn't my imagination. And we did ask. We were like, you are Sonia Sotomayor, right? And she was yeah, like, that, yeah, that is the most supreme recommendation you could you could get for that. So that that is, I love the story. I love the story <laughs> that goes with it. Karen, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, congratulations to you and the team on the success with First Up. Uh, I will, and thank you for all the, the complimentary things you had to say about our team. But, but more importantly, it's been great to hear that Burlington has uh, succeeded. You're doing well. The people have come back. You've got this amazing tool. You're keeping that culture alive. And as you pointed out, there's so many more things now the organization can do. Hopefully we all come out of this pandemic healthy, business is doing well, and First Up is, is doing better than ever. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Take care. If you enjoyed what you heard from this episode and want to check out others, find Culture Comes and Cocktails on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And when you do, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. This has been Culture Comes and Cocktails, internal comms served straight up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>